All right, assalamu alaikum everybody Which simply means peace be unto you uh, Welcome to the Brother Ben X Podcast I am live now with Brother Mark Marco Hansel And we're going to talk about a few things I want to first talk about um, your upbringing um, Talk about some of the things that you thought about Growing up and where you thought you would be uh, Then we'll go to where you at currently And then we're going to bring in some solutions Being uh, that so many people are distraught with the coronavirus and being laid off during this time and have no way of making money And being that you help people make money online I want to offer them uh, a few solutions um, as well So go ahead and give them a little background um, About who you are and a little bit about your upbringing Yeah, um, well let's see I have been all over and lived a lot of different lives I was born in Germany um, I grew up mainly on the East Coast After I left uh, Germany when I was like three from D.C. to Baltimore um, to Detroit was my main hometown. Um, and then finally made it to, uh, went to school in Boston um, where I started my first business. I moved to Atlanta, Miami, chasing the sun and found myself in California for about 14 years before I finally moved to Columbia. And um, through that through that journey, I you know went through the general, like, um, journey of being both the only person um, in the world that was like me, um, which was like going from schools where I was the only um, black kid to then going to schools where, um, you know, in all, all black schools, and kids that ground myself, um, finding that achievement and success was something that I could do very good that would always allow me to um, sort of receive love and receive, um, you know, that, that sort of attention that I desired. Um, so I went down that road and was like the typical overachiever, like top in the state and, and hurdles and uh, trumpet and debate and all of those things. Built my own business, um, started climbing that success ladder and uh, then found myself in a, a place that has led me to Columbia where after building that business, $25 million in revenue and basically achieving every sort of external success pattern that you could imagine, I found out that my life wasn't truly as fulfilled as I thought it was because the only thing I was paying attention to was sort of that financial and capitalistic success, but not the well-rounded holistic success. Mm. So that's where we uh, end up at now. (laughs) How was was the transition from you being the only black person at a school uh, then going to a a school where I guess you had a lot more black people. How was that transition for you? Oh man, it was both beautiful and horrendous. Um, so the, the beautiful part was that for the longest, um, you know, I grew up feeling alone in the sense that you know the schools that I was in when I was first living in Baltimore County, um, you know, I, w- I wasn't like the only, but like effectively was the only one that, that they weren't managing to systematically put into special ed or to put into like, oh, you're one of the, the dis- dysfunctional children. And when I was in the second grade or third grade, um, they tried to pull that and uh, tried to be like this, oh, Marco's, Marco's slow. And, like he doesn't learn like the rest of the kids. He needs to go into special ed. And, and it's literally fucked up part is like i'm like you know if it weren't for my parents being like no like that's that's not what's happening they went and got me tested and um you know i tested like three grades above where i was um so that that set the stage for and was continually the thing of like i'm not the same in any crowd like it's like at that particular area they were trapping most of the minorities into a bucket of special and then I don't fit in with that bucket because I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't get stuck in that stereotype. But then I also don't fit in with the people that I'm around. Um, so it, it wore a lot on my confidence um, during that time. Like you know, I definitely experienced a lot of racism, um, a lot of like sort of outcasts, and it took a while for me to even understand why because I didn't really know that you know I was different in that way. And then when I went into first I moved to D.C. And um, my, my mom basically, you know, well, I should say my parents thought that, like, more important than my education, I just needed to be around more people like me. Um, so I went to a school that was definitely not scholastically something that I was learning much of anything at. 
but like I had this new level of internal pride um, that was pretty pretty wild, man. Because I think that you know, no matter what, and you can say anything about us all. Obviously, we're all one, and we all carry that same identity as human beings. But that closeness and representation of here people that look like me,、um, where I don't feel so on the outside, was very valuable. But then stepping into that mode. It was people that looked like me, but then I didn't grow up like them. So then I feel on the outside for all the things that they've learned growing up, or for the ways of being that they have.、Um, so it did put me in this little like weird identity crisis. Like, oh, I still don't fit anywhere. Fuck. Like, like, like、uh, yeah. So it was it was interesting, but it, it did it did turn into eventually me understanding how I was able to merge all of those different worlds and just be me, and knowing that. In every single world that I stepped into, there were going to be people that didn't accept that and didn't like who I was, regardless. So the more that I just stepped into, this is me, then it wouldn't matter.、Mm. So let me let me ask you this: When you were at this is a two part question. When you were、mm-hmm. at the school where it was majority white or whomever, it wasn't a lot of people that looked like you or that was like you. You talked about the lack of confidence. What are some of the thoughts that you had? Being in that condition, and when you got around people who was more like you, but then you couldn't relate to it, what was it?、Uh, what thoughts or what strategy did you use to overcome that condition? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know, in that in that time, probably the most common thread was just not knowing why I would get singled out a lot,、um, not knowing why I didn't have a lot of friends. Like even to the point where.、Um, You know, my my mom at one point pulled me out of school because、um, it got like to the point where kids are talking about like lynching me and shit like、wow. that. So it was that's that's like some stuff where you you know you're 11 and you're just like what the like I'm just I'm just living my life like just trying to be a human being. So it was those those sort of thoughts of like how does that weigh on to someone's confidence? It's like you're building your stability and your sense of self as a young child and. From day one, like you're already counted as a threat, or you're counted as something that's not desirable,、um, and that being played with some of my you know, other parts of my upbringing, like my father wasn't around、um, growing up, and I did have a very loving stepfather, but I already had these stories of like, yo, I'm just not like. There's a lot of things and a lot of people that just don't accept me、um, and don't desire to have me around them for things that I can't even control. Um, and then you know switching into DC, then I think that the initial part was like, ah,、uh, like a, a breath of fresh air of like, yo, now everybody at least is in the same like bowl as me, and then the only things that stood out for me、um, in that area now were that yeah, just I had had a, a better、um, upbringing in terms of how my my mom and my grandma like. Always made me read books and like we played Scrabble when I was younger. So then I was just scholastically at a different level than the school that I was going to.、Um, so then I was getting teased for that. Then I was like, all right, well, like I can't, you know, I can't win there. But the the thing that I did do, which was really weird,、um, is how I coped with it a lot. Is I just started almost becoming this chameleon,、um, which which became both a superpower and one of my greatest weaknesses.、Um, What do you mean by that? Going up is that learn? Was that? What do you mean by that? Yes, like the the chameleon was that I I learned how to be friends with every group, like the the hardcore like thug group, the sports athlete group, the nerd group, like all of it. I started finding out that I was actually for you know whatever whatever way my mind thought that I would I could figure out what everybody loved and what everyone enjoyed. And I could become good in any of those things. Like I could become good at embodying, like, yeah, you know, like I'm tough, or like, yeah, I'm this, or I'm that. So, ironically, what did happen is I started going into this phase of like, all right, you know, I'm smart, and I'm smart enough to know that, like, right now, in order for me to make sure that I can keep pressure off of me in, in all different areas, now I need to adopt like a tough exterior. So, like, now I started becoming like, all right, well, I'm just, I'm just gonna be. Over the top tough with everybody. <laughs> like, I'd be like, "Yo, get everything. I'm smart, but like, I still steal all you." <laughs> so that that became a new identity.、Um, and then on top of it, because 
I was achieving a lot of things, I did find for the first time, which was so valuable for me, teachers that really wanted to pour into me. Because when I moved into um, DC and then started going to Detroit, like things to give you a very simple example. When I was in the um, fifth grade or sixth grade, um, one of my trumpet instructors, because I started playing the trumpet, was like, yo, like you are horrible at the trumpet. Um, you're never gonna be good. Like you should just stop now. This is when I'm in the white schools, right? So what did I do? I was horrible at the trumpet. I wasn't good, and I wanted to stop. Right. I got in ninth grade in Detroit, and my teacher at the time told me he was like, "You have a lot of potential." It's like, and I think you're gonna be amazing at this trumpet. We're gonna keep pushing, and you're gonna kill it. And I became the number two jazz soloist in the state of Michigan. Wow. So like, that the difference between what happens when you can get around people that want to inspire and imprint something uplifting into you rather than telling you you're down is like well when they, they tell you you're down and you get told that so much like you actually internalize that and you become that right it's like but in, in the same if you you have the opportunity to be uplifted which i started receiving uh, more in middle school when i switched over um, to DC and in high school where people are encouraging me because now they're like, oh wow, this is you know a young black male like and he's doing his thing like we're gonna encourage this. Then it then it became a different tone. Now it was not just my parents. Now it was more people that would identify like, hey, there's something special here and you can continue to grind and be an inspiration to the kids around you. Like what could you teach them? Um, and that that became an interesting dynamic when I realized that I was like, oh wow, like I'm actually I'm doing some things that makes me not just special in like a different way, but special in a way that's valuable that I could actually give and provide, whether it's entertainment to people or, you know, my thoughts or supporting them with their work or anything like that. That's an, that's a, that's important to me because I, I, I tell people all the time it's important for us to have belief in self. And that our subconscious yeah. mind, you know, leads to thoughts and our thoughts leads to actions. And I, and a lot of times, a lot of us aren't successful because of the belief. My mama said I can't be this. My dad said I can't be this. My teacher said I can't be this. So it's not necessarily somebody in the way, per se. It's just that you believed what they said about you. Even when it comes to being offended. I said one time, man, uh, the reason people get offended is because they only saying what you said in your head if somebody came up to me and said brother ben x you are green i will laugh at you because i know i'm not green but if i'm yeah, fat and in exactly. my head i'm believing that i'm overweight and i know i should be losing weight but i'm not and somebody says hey you're a little overweight you get offended because they're only repeating what you're already saying yeah, to yourself so we have saying. to change how we feel about each other or ourselves and how we think about ourselves and really that is what would take us to the next level and i'm glad you brought that out because a lot of millionaires and people who are successful they always teach about the mind you got to get your mind right you got to get your subconscious right you got to have your beliefs right and people who have a a uh, poor mindset, they think it's just rhetoric. Oh, here they go with the mindset. Here they go with the positivity. Yeah. But it's really yeah. what takes you to the next level when you believe you can do something and when you don't believe you can do something. So I think Will Smith said okay. one time, those who say they can and those who say they can't are both usually right. They're both right. Yeah. So, with that, <laughs> both right. so with that, talking about so beliefs, what was your thoughts growing up about God and religion? Because we know a lot of people... Uh, that's their foundation Like even when you hear yeah. about Money is the root of all evil Everybody A lot of people believe that And that's why they're broke Because they believe The more money I get Subconsciously The more evil I'm going to be So what was your thoughts On God and religion growing up? Yeah uh, I've had an interesting uh, Road To say the least um, You know I've gone from uh, Christianity um, to uh, actually was um, in the, like the junior FOI um, at one point um, then went into back into Christianity and then started exploring like some of like Buddhist thoughts and spiritualism and it's been this it's been this exploration for me that has, has sort of gotten me to the one consistent theme that I found across the board um, is more of the principles of one, the, the infinite um, being like the infinite love, the infinite um, connectivity, the infinite potential that exists within whatever it is that you believe in, whether it's God of the universe or Allah or the like, and being able to know how connected I am to that source. Like that, that became something so powerful for me. And that really 
that really hit me hard when I moved to LA. Um, so I actually met um, a mentor of mine that really supported me a lot in, in strengthening my growth in Christianity at the time. And you know what he really supported me in is I was just on my like my high. I just finished. Like I picked up um, John Legend was my first client in my my first business and. Like we broke him, built his first website. He became a big star, and then he went to like Ludacris and E40, Rafael Sadiq. Like, and I, I was like, for all intents and purposes, I was like living my dream because all of my like artists that I used to listen to, I'm like, these are all my clients now. This wow. is dope. And I'm feeling myself right. And um, he actually got me grounded and really started having me think about things not just from the level of how can I succeed. And what are the things that I can like achieve, but more like, who do I want to be? Um, and in that, in that being, there was this like interconnectivity to all the people that were around me, the impact that I had to them. And then also a more discerning look at the types of choices that I was making. Um, and not that like, oh, you know, you're, you're a good person, you're a bad person. Um, as much as like, are you thinking about the actions that you're you're doing and, and the type of energy that you're creating out there? And are you aligning yourself with something that is birthing and planting beautiful things in your life and beautiful things in the lives of others? Or, or are you planting things that might be creating negativity or might be creating something that you know, isn't the most like highest representation of what you could offer to the world um so that that idea of connectivity um of like spiritual connection and oneness with everything around me really really put me into the driver's seat of responsibility for myself and responsibility for what i create as well as recognition for the impact that i have to everyone around me and a desire for their lives to also be enriched by anything that i'm doing so many people ask me, Brother Ben X, man, how do I know that you're going live? How do I know when you're producing a podcast? And I saw you also just made $130,000 in two days. Well, there's a way that you guys can get informed from us via text message. All you have to do is text 50K to 210-504-4094, and we'll give you more information with free game, and we'll let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Text the word 50K to 210-504-4094 will give you updates, notifications, and let you guys know how we made 130000 in two days. Peace. How has that understanding um, in spirituality and the connection with God, how has that helped you out in business and life? Bro, uh, I mean, I'll tell you the, num the number one thing is this idea of sufficiency. Right. And I think that this this came to me like probably in my early 20s was first with the concept of like, if, if God is my sufficiency, then what else could I ever need? And from that perspective of me realizing that if I could tap into that connection with center and with God, with the universe, with whatever that is that you interpret it as and if that if that connectivity is all things it's already perfect it already receives love there's there's nothing that i can do or won't or or, or I, that i could do to gain or or lose more love from god and from this universe then i'm already enough and mm. and understanding that was like so huge for me because you know you talk about that upbringing growing up and trying to connect it to people or that I could fit into this group or that, you know, I'm good enough for that thing. Like you, you start noticing a pattern where all of the achievements, while they were very beautiful things for me to accomplish, like all the different scholarships and like the track trophies and all that stuff, a lot of it was driven around like, I need to show y'all that I'm good enough. Like, so I'm just really good at winning because I'm trying to gain some acceptance that lives outside of me. But once, once I found that relationship with God and I said, okay, if I have that acceptance and it's already there for me, then everything that I'm doing from here on out is not about me gaining that acceptance and it's not going to make me lose that acceptance. I already have it. And that, that in its fullness 
And I'm, I've still been unloading that in multiple phases. And one of the biggest phases was me leaving my company last year. Um, really, really comes to a place where from a business perspective, you suddenly approach things with so much confidence. Like you're not, you're not walking into a business deal and being like, man, like this deal is going to make or break me. Like I got to impress this person. Like I got to make sure I do this right. Like I, in a very quite honest way, don't give a fuck in a good way. Mm. I'm just like, yo, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm like, I am here. I'm showing up. I'm bringing me to the table. I hope we can get something done. And if we can't, then it's not for me, but I'm already good. That's good I'm point. already sufficient. And what that does is it also allows you not to put your plate yourself in a position of compromise where you find yourself taking less than what you believe you should have, um, compromising your own integrity or your morals to, to get like an extra dollar or the extra job because you believe that in some way or some world, this is the only way and the only opportunity you're going to have that's going to make you more money and that's going to make you more status and it's going to keep your family stable. I'm like, yo, like if, if I'm connected to that source, then that source is already benevolently connected to me and wants me to live and thrive in a harmonious way. They're not going to put something in front of me and say like, yo, here's here's your next step and you have to do this. It's going to suck. And yeah, this guy's like, you know, he, he he's not a real scrupulous person. Like he probably does some shady shit on the side, but you should totally do a deal with him for now for just a few months. Mm. And then you'll get yourself on your feet and like, and then you can go and do something else. I don't even have to consider that. Like, and that's, that's all the way to the level of me being in Colombia and knowing that that automatically makes certain people that want to deal with me in person unable to deal with me and unable to work with me and i'm okay with that because for me I'm like this is where i desire to be and if you want to work with me and you want to be in my vibe then you get to work with me from columbia and i'm completely fine with the opportunities that i miss without that that's a great point you made that's a wonderful point you made about having the confidence and understanding that you are enough and when you go into certain rooms you don't have to compromise your principles or your values because um, it's going to end up turning out bad in the end uh, because it's going to have strings attached. You're not going to be really in love with it. It's not going to fulfill that void uh, that you have because you compromise yourself. So that's actually a wonderful point. Uh, coming up into that, I want to talk about, uh, tell us a little bit about Spreaker and how did you get into that uh, that realm and uh, how did you end up building that type of company? Yeah, man. Woo! My, my baby. Um, speaker. So um, now, is it I, I is it is it speaker before, or speaker? Oh, the speaker. 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 Okay. Just like a like a regular speaker system. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the whole um, stuff that I was doing in college. One of my friends was friends with John Legend um, before he was signed, and he was like, "Yo, this guy John, I think he's gonna go places. Like, we should do some work with him." But then the question was like, "Who's gonna do all the work?" And they were like, "This kid, Marco." Right, like I was younger than now, and they're like, "Hey, Marco, like he'll grind out." And um, so I became like the workhorse, of, like building his like online marketing team and all of those things. I like music, I like technology, and from that we ended up picking up, like I was saying, like E40, Rafael Sadiq, Lost Boys. Like we started being like the go-to people for digital for tons of urban acts way back in like 2002, 2003. Right, um, I left college and picked up um, DTP, so Ludacris, Chingy, like all of those guys. And then the first thing that I did that led me to this business is I built out a digital street team platform. So I had, I'd been doing street team work with uh, BNG at the time, like passing out flyers and shit, like in, in the streets of Boston and taking pictures with people. And I was like, oh, what if, what if we could do that online? And this was when like um, MySpace was out. And we're like, oh, this, this platform, MySpace seems like a place where people could sort of be like a, a virtual street team and we could have tons of people posting content about artists on their different MySpace pages and on bulletin boards and getting rewards for it. And I bet you like we wouldn't even have to pay them. Like we could give them like CDs and merch and different things like that. Mm -hmm. That worked perfectly. And we found that like the, you know, 500 ludicrous fans could actually market and create more volume and, and spread than all of the online marketing we were doing paid from all of DTP, right? Then it moved into this theory when Twitter came out of like, well, this platform seems to be like way more like viral and like people are really posting in here. What if we took that idea and we did it on Twitter? 
but was just for artists. We literally did it for any brand that they liked. And he said like, you know what? What if we could get you paid to talk about whatever brand you wanted? And we built up this, this network of average people, of big people, and could create the largest word of mouth platform in the world. Um, that was the theory. And we you know, launched and within a year of me getting like a $10,000 um, loan from one of my investors, I turned that into $1.8 million in revenue wow. and then continued building that up to becoming the 79th fastest growing company in the nation. And it was you know, all built around this idea that we thought that people, um, both like famous people and average Joes, had far more influence, impact, and power in spreading messages than brands themselves. And it's very simple because it's like, I tell you know people on your podcast, yo, I'm Marco and I'm dope. It's very different than you inviting me to your podcast and saying, check out Marco. Right. So that, that concept of Coca-Cola raising their flag and saying, we're Coca-Cola, we're dope. I'm like, yo, like that we already know just from simple word of mouth, the principles of marketing from the very beginning that if you could systemize that, that would always be the most impactful form of marketing. And that's what our, our platform did, is we, you know, we grouped together um, almost 100,000 of the top influencers in every single major platform and became the system that was used for, from Coca-Cola, Pepsi, to Ford, to all of iHeartMedia, Time Inc., like most of the largest agencies and brands in the world um, were using us to build their influence networks so let me ask you this how did you get them to believe in you how did they how did they know you were the guy for this job so what did you start off doing to where they was like this is gonna be the brother who gonna push this thing yeah um from like the moment that i started my company yeah, because I heard you say that uh, they was dealing with somebody and they looked at you and they said that you were the one, you know, who had it. So how did they know you had it? What did you start off doing? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, from those, from those early, early days in college, um, it was really just about me being very entrepreneurial. Um, I went to Babson College, which is the number one entrepreneurship school in the world. So there, it was a collective of people that were all interested in in creating things, right? So I had this drive of like, I want to create, I want to grind, and I'm willing to go wherever it takes to, to do that. Um, they knew that I love music, and they also knew that I, I love technology. I taught myself basic programming when I was like eight or something. Um, wow. So I, I had this mixture of, of skill sets, and I also was just super hungry. Like I was like, yo, anything like let me how can i get involved how can i work like one of my one of the guys was actually um on the management team for snoop while he was in college um so like that all they also were working with people that i admired and i'm like there so they, they saw like here's somebody who one we know is going to be excited about this because this is an industry that he loves these are people that he gets excited about and this is a a skill set that he is very interested in exploring and learning and he's super intelligent. So let's let him run with it. Um, and that, that led me into the initial business um, that I created. And then when I when I kicked off um, what was originally Twitmob and became speaker, that was me um, branching off on my own and having this concept, testing it out and getting the first investor who before I'd even met him um, he wired me that 10 grand, uh, actually it was 20 grand, 10 grand I had to pay back and 10 grand was an investment. But he wired me that like when I was like negative, like $3,000 in the bank mm. after trying out this idea. And I'm like, man, like I, I feel like it can work, like, but I just need some more money. And I didn't know anything about raising capital at that time, dude. Like, I was like, well, you, you ask other people for money? Really? And I had just met him through another friend and he was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't normally do this, but um, I haven't even met you in person, but there's something about you that tells me that anything you do, it's going to be successful. So I'm willing to take this risk on you. And mind you, you know, you think about the stats of startup capital, um, that 20 grand, actually really 10 grand, that ain't shit. But like for, for me being resourceful in the world of like, oh, I'm, I'm used to just making something from nothing. I thought that was the world. <laughs> so then it was like, uh, yeah, I took it and was like, I'm about to take this and, and like manage the hell out of this and make it into something that can be as big as possible. Mm, man, that's so, man, I thank you for sharing that because 
um, a lot of people are always trying to focus on the big thing and they're not focused on what they can be doing like literally right now. So the guy saw something in you and what you was doing currently. Like there's so many yeah. things people can be doing right now. Show that you're gifted. Show that you are determined right now and what you're doing. And that may bring the opportunity that you didn't think you was worthy of. I say all the time, man, your character, your morals, your work ethic can get you in certain rooms that your money can't get you into. You may not oh. have that 10000 You may not have that six-figure, that seven-figure that's going to put you yep. in, that, in that high room. But they say, man, he's going to work hard, though. See, he's diligent, though. He's creative, though. And so I want yes. you guys right now who feel like you're behind to hone yes. in on where you are right now because that is going to be what you need to get you to that next level in life. Yeah, man, that, that that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Let me let me ask oh. you, let me ask you Bro, this. You hit it oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Definitely. Oh, my bad. Uh, so uh, with the with a lot of people. Oh no, wanna, I, just, I said you hit it on. The yeah, I think it's a, it's a little delayed. But uh, for people who want to be influencers, young people, older people, uh, with you having that type of company, what is yes, an right influencer? Here. How would you define an influencer? Were you able to hear the question? I broke up a little bit. You said, "How would I define an influencer?" Yes. No, I didn't. I think we are a little behind. I said, "How do you define an influencer?" Uh, oh, I mean, uh, man, it's pretty wide because it's anybody that can influence you to make a decision, um, which could be someone with millions of followers, could be someone with thousands of followers, um, and obviously the the impact of that influencer is going to be different um, based on that size. But I generally look at it as a few different things. You either have people that you admire, um, which are more like the celebrity influencers. So you just, you admire what they're doing and you want to be like them, right? Um, or you have people that you trust a lot, right? And that's like, you don't really necessarily trust uh, a Kylie Jenner a ton, but like you trust your neighbor or you trust your family member or you trust your friend and he's influencing you just off the strength of his trust. and. In between those two scales, there's all mixtures of things. Like you might have somebody that you admire a lot that you also trust significantly. Um, but those those are the formulas I think that pretty much create that influence. Is I, I either admire their decisions or I trust them as an individual. So I believe they have you know my best interests in mind, and I believe that they're you know whatever recommendations they could give me are valuable and they're going to be things that are going to be good for my life. Um, what are your top three tips for becoming successful as an influencer on social media? As a social media influencer? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, man, I mean, one uh, is have something that makes you original and that you're known for. Um, and I think that that really plays into like, could you make it as a, a copycat? sort of influencer like oh yeah you know i just post selfies of myself and like that's that and like and some girls or guys think i'm cute like sure you could make it like you could make some money off of that and that's cool but like the people that really make marks they stand for something right and that, that stand for something doesn't need to be like oh they stand for like world change or whatever but they have a message that resonates with them where like when i watch this person I expect a certain theme or I expect a certain emotionality. That emotionality is, wow, like they're just crazy hilarious or wow, they're just really insightful or wow, like, you know, they provide me with a lot of information. Whatever that is, be consistent with that theme um, because people, I think, think about like influencers very much in the same way that they would imagine like a TV channel, right? And it doesn't mean that you have to be one show. But do do create a consistent brand and a, a viewpoint that someone can tune into um, so that they can look at you and say, All right, whenever I'm getting content from this person, I expect this type of lesson or this type of feeling or this type of emotionality. Um, I think that's you know, one, one important part, which is more of like a thematic thing. The other thing, which is more practical, is collaborate. Like, I think, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen um, from influencers and how a lot of the guys that you know, we kicked off with when we were first starting, like Logan Paul and Batch and all those guys, like a lot of them got their start with our company. Um, and part of what they did early on was just a lot of like sharing content with each other, creating content together, collaborating. So there's this this idea of like community immediately 
becomes one of the easiest ways for you to like sort of cross-pollinate audiences and to learn from you know how somebody else is doing something successfully so i think that's another uh, big thing for you and then the third piece I, i'd say is um to also learn the business it's like understand the business side of it all because you know if, and if you don't if you don't understand the business to the fullest like get somebody that fits in that trust and admire quality that is by your side um that really does so if you're going to be that creator but if you're the you know the amazing creator that doesn't know how to set this up from a business standpoint then you'll be like that beautiful like piece of gold that nobody ever discovers it's like we, we just won't even see you and won't even know how to get to you but you'll have somebody who's far less talented than you but understands the business game more and you'll see them skyrocketing Mm. So with that being said, uh what are the benefits of an influencer signing or working with an agency? Um I mean, I think it's pretty simple. It's like you if you're working with the right agency, then you're getting education, you're getting support, you're getting mentorship, you're getting somebody that can guide you um more properly to the right types of deals, the right type of prices, um all of that. And you also get a little bit of a buffer because I think, you know, you know whether it's an agency or a manager, when you start negotiating for yourself, you're already set up in a loss. Like you can you could be the friendliest person in the world and you can have your agent be the guy who's like, "Hey, you know, like I it's not going to happen. Like I'm not going to do this deal for less than X amount." And, and you can still be like, hey, you know, I'd love to do the deal, but my, like he, he's not let me do it. I know that may sound like a tactic, but it's actually more just an emotional thing of like having yourself stay in that creator mode and not in like the business mode where people have business-driven opinions around you and the way that you do business when you're just like, yeah, I'm just trying to be a creator. Like I'm trying to be a creator and I've got this business person that's watching my back that obviously I don't do anything that the business person um or that I don't want to do. but I certainly don't do things that the business person you know doesn't advise me to do because that's their specialty that's where their craft is my craft is creating stuff their craft is making sure that I get paid properly and I'm in the right position for the things that I create good point what's the difference between an influencer signing with an agency and a rapper signing with a record label or is it the same uh i mean i think it's it can be the same um and it can be the same in the sense that you know some of the same negatives that you could think of could be there like you know you got people that could definitely take advantage of you because they're like we understand the business part don't worry about this I'll take care of it um which is why I still think that you know you get to be informed enough to like be able to speak the language because if if you can't speak the language at all then you will have people that are you know taking advantage of that potentially Um so I think there's there's some similarities there um you know one of the main differences though is that like not every agency has the same financial backing that you get from a label so a label even if it's just a glorified bank is ready to cut a check to support something maybe leave you in debt for the rest of your life but <laughs> they're at least <laughs> going to cut a check and they're going to support some of the uh, that you're doing the agencies off like oh man i just cut out for a moment yeah you yeah i think you back this is columbia yeah i think you back columbia um so yeah, it's more more glove for representation i'm back yeah oh, man all right um yeah they, they can be like glorified representation um and not actually provide like capital to you Um so the, the agency is not necessarily um as valuable as maybe a, a label would be. And but with with all of these things like you also can go it alone um very successfully. You just you're just raising your risk profile but also your reward. Right? Like if you can do it independent the same way that you do in in the world of like labels when we talk about going independent, your success factor can be really high but you don't have that cushion of a machine or a set of of other people that are you know have created a larger system for you to fit into. Um so what was the awakening that you had that moved you from that uh that particular business? What was the awakening that you had? Well, 
Well, man, so this is this is trippy because uh, basically um, I, I've had the opportunity to sell my company, you know, for $40 million and turned it down. Um, I, I've had these dreams and these views for some reason, the number 700 million was in my head consistently and I needed to push for that. So I continued growing and growing and growing and trying to get the company to that place. And then there was a, a point where we hit a snag um, where several of our largest clients simultaneously went bankrupt. Um, Come on, Wi-Fi. Time. And we had like several. It was so good. Go, go so back all go, at once. Go back. Go back to where you where said the it. Money uh, wasn't gonna come through for them. Go back to where you said your clients went. Oh, some that, of your clients went bankrupt. Start right there when you said your clients went bankrupt. That's where it cut off at. Oh, got it. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I was saying. Yeah, we had several clients that went bankrupt at the same time, and um, our credit was so good that our bankers would actually loan us money in advance on those contracts. Um, so we had a few million dollars outstanding um, on those contracts that wasn't going to turn into money. And that sort of put us upside down with the bankers, caused me to have to raise capital um, in a more distressed scenario, lost control of the board. Um, the company started spiraling into a direction where we couldn't keep up with our cash flow management. Um, and things just were not necessarily exciting on a day-to-day basis to deal with a sudden cash crunch um, in that company. And in the process of going through that, I started seeing a lot of the real faces of everybody, right? Like the, the real faces of myself, of um, you know my staff, of my investors, when things start getting hard. And it's not, not to uh, not speak bad on anybody, but more so just recognizing like, oh, here's what I've set up in the way of how I've prepared everyone for emergency scenarios, how I deal with emergency scenarios, and how everyone is expecting me to show up so wonderfully perfect that I actually don't even have room to be a human being. And in some cases, certain investors were like, we don't care about you being a human being. Um, You know, you you gotta go fix this. So I, I found myself in a weird area where I'm continually trying to fix something and continually trying to create a better scenario and simultaneously finding myself like working like, you know, 20 hours a day and, you know, not really getting any of the joy from the work that I'm doing anymore. And it started making me question, like, what am I doing? Mm. Like, why am I, why am I trying to hold on to this so hard and I'm not even happy? Like I'm actually like losing all attachment to anything other than this business. Um, I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying myself. I'm stressed out. People are mad at me. Like, and I started realizing that I was so tied to that because this company had become my identity. That when I had to ask the question of like, well, who am I if I'm not Marco, the CEO, the speaker? I didn't know the answer. So that that caused me to think like, oh shit. Like, I'm not paying attention to my family. I'm too busy for, you know, my friends. I'm too busy. If I built a life, this is where the accomplishment um, is the most important thing and it's more important than how I actually get there, whether or not I enjoy the journey, then I built something that if tomorrow I died and this was all I had left in my legacy, I wouldn't be happy at all. Hey, family, listen, I know COVID has messed up some of our vision and some of us, our vision for our family and our future looks a little blurry, but we want to help bring the vision back to 2020. We want you to be able to see the success and everything that you plan for 2020 to be. We want to help bring that vision back. So we have a crazy bundle for you going into Black Friday. This bundle, we got Purpose to Profit, which is a full course that's going to teach you how to turn your purpose into a 
product and that product into a profitable business, six-figure business from scratch. We're going to teach you how to turn your purpose into a product. We're going to teach you how to market, how to scale, how to productize. We're going to teach you how to test. We're going to teach you how to package this product so that you can be able to take it into the marketplace to be able to do great things. Not only with that bundle, you're also going to get private banking blueprint where we teach you how to build your own banking system. Yes, you heard me, your own banking system. And guess what? Guess what? It's only going to be for $368. Yes, you heard it. $368. You're going to get an actual physical copy of the textbook of Private Banking Blueprint. All of that course together for $368 all the way up until Black Friday. If you want to move on that bundle, go to visionbundle.com. Visionbundle.com and take action today. And that, that really started making me question the decisions that I was making and the focus that I had in life. And really even started asking me, making me ask the questions of like, well, what am I going to do with $700 million? And like, why couldn't I have sold the company, you know, three years ago? And like, and, and what did it matter for me to like, you know, grind out 20 hours if I'm not actually enjoying myself? So that that, all of that started uh, getting me to ask questions about how I wanted to restructure my life to actually succeed and not just succeed in business, but succeed in family and succeed in friendships and succeed in health and success all across the board because my life isn't on pause. It's not like I get to enjoy those things later. I get to enjoy it now. Mm, that's heavy, man. So what is the current mindset when it comes to that? Is it you still go for the 700 million? Is it dang, I should have did the 40 million because I would have been comfortable all across the board? What's the new mindset that you stepped into? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that um, I can't even say that it's for for like a general person. Don't go for the 700 or only go for the 40. It's more so like know why I'm doing something right. Like. And once I understood that why, like, well, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you need $700 million to build something or to create something in your life? Or are you just doing this because it sounds great for the ego um, to accomplish something like that, but it actually has nothing to do with your happiness and your joy in life, right? So being clear about the connectivity that I have to my why, and then also being willing to change my stories because one of the things that i realized is that in my like overachiever loop of like i gotta accomplish this i gotta accomplish that i wouldn't allow myself to fail so once i fix the story in my mind of like we have to get to this level now no matter what the hell happened around me i'm just pushing to make sure that, that story is true and I, I never stopped to be like wait like does that have to be true could i sell this for 40 and be like hey i know it wasn't you know 700 million but like that's still very successful great like good job marco move on like let's create something else or am i so fixed to this idea that i have to be perfect and i have to be able to prophesy whatever it is that my outcome is going to be that i'm not flexible with how those things could change over time and how my understanding of what i desire in my life could change over time and if i'm willing to accept that flexibility then I'm willing to create something new all the time. And then at any moment, just be okay with like, hey, maybe this didn't turn out exactly the way we wanted, but here's what I did get. And here's what is valuable. It's like, and that that was uh, that was definitely a lesson uh, for me to, to learn, the big one that has now got me very much in a place of realizing that my why doesn't have a lot to do with money. Um, it has a lot more to do impact and supporting people and create change and creating beautiful things and when I remove that variable of there needs to be a certain number then I can actually create things that may hit really big numbers still but that's not the core focus wonderful point wonderful point so with that being said brother the last part I want to talk about is uh, the coronavirus solutions uh, being that you know what you're doing digital wise there's a lot yeah. of people that's being laid off right now and they don't know what to do. So can you give us a couple tips of how people can generate some money during this time? So either they can store some water and food, buy some, buy something or so they can pay their bills. What can be done digitally for the average person to make some money online? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I think um, rather than making it a specific tip, um, I actually was doing a, a talk yesterday about this, which was dealing with uncertainty um, during coronavirus. And the, the tip that came up for me to offer to people is to be creative and be willing to change your story. Right. Um, and what that means is it, it means something different for everybody. But when we when we sit in creativity and when we divorce the story of how we need to get to whatever goal that we desire, then we find out that there's way more options than we may have ever thought. Right. And that that could mean that one option could be that, like, you're like, yo, I just lost my job. How do I go get another job? Like, well, that's one option. Or it could be like, I just lost my job. Like, how do I get my family, friends, people around me to support me? Or I just lost my job. Like, how do I go and creatively talk with my landlord about like, yo, like I'm, I'm going to need some time on this rent. And I know that that sounds like something that isn't necessarily like wealth generating, but it is a mindset of looking at all of the possibilities in your life, whether it's creating something new that you can generate money off of, um, saving money, finding new sources for revenue or for income and putting every possibility on the table and, and allowing yourself to not feel like a failure if it can only be done in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. So this is this is an opportunity for pattern shifting, for moving into those uncomfortable zones of things that you might not have tried um, or of new ways of living or being and being also like feverishly uh, hungry, so to speak, for alternatives. So if you try one thing and it doesn't work, try another. Like if you, you, you know, you've got one like way of, of generating revenue and like, you're like, yo, I think this is gonna be it. Like, don't just make it one way. Like try three of them at the same time. Like be, in a sense, like be entrepreneurial with the way that you're thinking through those problems and create a portfolio of different options that could support you. Um, and I think, you know, one one thing when you move away from savings and talk about generating revenue right now is like, I, I will say that in general, um, digital obviously is a valuable place to focus um, in this current time because so many people are on um, on uh, online right now. And, you know, that's, that's like the, the hotbed for focus. So if you have anything related to digital and you have any thing that you could provide for people during this time um that's a it's an opportunity for you to look at lost me again and right right in the, um what are resources that you might be abundant in that other people need that they could be deficient in, right so you you might be deficient in money right now but you might be abundant in you know a certain skill set um or like emotionality or like a physical resource or um, you know, a place to stay or, or anything that you could think of, your time, you know, those types of things, like start listing out your skill sets and the things that you, you do have to offer to people and find the people that need that. Right? And you'd be surprised that, you know, you can find pockets of service and of value to people that you might find that are considerably well off or wealthy, but you have something that will be valuable to them. And if you're confident enough to offer it and put yourself out there that maybe you can create possibility i uh i noticed something as i listened to your story and i want to know if you agree with me as we go back to your past you talked about being yeah. a chameleon you talked about being as you overcame those problems that you had with the two schools you found a way to find friends with everyone you found a way to become a chameleon and basically adapt in any situation and that sounds like the solution that you're still that you're also giving about business yes. so do you think your past of learning how to be a chameleon helped you out in business Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Like, I, I think here's the thing, right? Like, I not only did that with people, I did that with places. I, I moved so much. I literally moved to like a new school almost every year. So I got to learn how to be the new kid consistently. And that did create a little bit of a foundation of like, I'm comfortable in the uncertain. Like, I'm like, I, if something's new, something's fresh, I can switch my mind state, switch the approach towards it. Um, and that does make me very flexible and adaptable. And I do think that that is a, a huge advantage for people to, in general, be willing to change 
their ways of, of living, their ways of doing something um, quickly. When you when you notice that like something like coronavirus has hit all of us, there's not a single one of us who hasn't had a change in their lives as a result of the coronavirus. And we either sit in resistance of like, oh shit, this thing changed. I don't like it. I'm mad. Like, what am I going to do now? Or we like, we pout about it for a moment and then we say, okay, cool. So new game. Like, what do I, what do I do differently? And maybe that different thing is something I never thought I was going to do. But at the end of the day, if I am consistently living in the present and I'm consistently being this confident creator, then all I have is a choice of either being stuck with like the pouting and like being mad about what's happening or moving into let's create something new. What's that new thing I'm going to create? Hmm. Uh, last, 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 uh, little bit, last question. When you was talking, you was talking about your twenties. It seemed like you was talking about your past. So there was somebody in the comment section that said twenties. So how young are you at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I, uh, I'm 35 years old. What's your, what's your diet? Yeah. Like how, how's it's, your, it's how's crazy your... if you are seeing my diet? Yeah. I mean, I, I eat. I eat pretty good. Like I don't eat like crazy. I used to. I, I did do like a vegan diet for for about a year. Um, but in general, most normal things. But it is usually organic. Um, it's, it's healthy stuff. Um, you know, it's it's proteins. It's grains. It's having like a, a rich mixture of things and staying away from like mostly staying away from fried foods or sugars and stuff like that. Um, but my, my girl would say otherwise. She would say that she's way healthier than me. Um, but I guess I also just have, have good genes on top of it. <laughs> Indeed, man. Well, I appreciate you, man, for coming on and sharing your story. I think there was a lot of gems and you just simply sharing your testimony that I think a lot of people are going to um, relate to. Uh, maybe we can do a part two once we get better Wi-Fi because it was kind of chopping up we can go a little bit more in detail there was some people who asked some questions yeah. that i kind of didn't want to ask because it kept freezing i want them to really get the answer but i guess i'll leave it uh up to you to give the closing words so always allow the guests to give their closing statements uh and whatever you want to end off with awesome awesome um yeah i mean i think the biggest takeaway particularly for this time um with coronavirus happening is is embracing your possibility um, in all ways is knowing that, you know, as crazy stuff is happening, as you're trying to figure out, you know, what your identity is and what's going to happen in your life and how you're going to move forward. The more that you allow yourself to embrace possibility, to feel capable, to be and speak into your own possibility, the more you'll come closer to that. So I just, yeah, I think that's a, a powerful thing for everybody to realize right now. Um, and that it, it may not be easy. It may not come like tomorrow. Um, and, you know, in that, in that possibility, be okay with the possibility that it might be difficult. And even that, like, so that, I think that's a beautiful thing for you. Indeed, man. Well, I appreciate your brother for coming on, man. Look forward to doing it again with you. Uh, if you grant me that permission and, uh, man, keep up the guy work, man. Uh, and, and, and continue to rise, yes. man, and help our people. Definitely, definitely, man. I appreciate you for uh, creating this platform and allowing people to speak and, and share at this time. And it's very important. So thank you for having me. Indeed. Peace. Man, I think that was a wonderful... Uh a wonderful episode family uh i think this is one you should go back over and take notes because he talked about the step-by-step um process into how he got to where he is so i want to continue to bring powerful people on and allow them to just share their platform and to share their testimony uh more than their platform i mean because oftentimes all we need to know is the mindset that people have See, what was most important to me was he talked about the mindset and how people who had the money looked at him and said, "Okay, I see his mindset. I see his drive. I see his creativity. And they was willing to invest in him based on who he was. A lot of people think that you need funding. A lot of people think that you need, uh, you know, I got to have the money myself. No, if you have the vision, if you have the work ethic, 
then you may find somebody that you can collaborate with or even partner with and you can get the things that you need. So when y'all hear me talk on the podcast about mindset and mindset and mindset, as you can see, the more people I bring on, they always talking about mindset. So it's not cliche. It's not just fluff. So we don't want to give you the details. As the brother said, I think yesterday, you can go find as many strategies as you can online how to make money. You can Google it. You can YouTube it. But it's the mindset that we need to be successful. So thank you all for watching uh, the Brother Ben X podcast. Make you make sure that you subscribe and y'all have a blacktastic day. Assalamu alaikum. Peace, family. Thank you for checking out the Brother Ben X podcast. Many people are wondering, what can I do now since digital real estate closed on October the 1st? I still want to learn how to make money on social media. I still want to learn how to market and I still want to learn how to build my brand. Well, there's one more way that you can do it. It's a couple ways, but I want to tell you all about the ABS tribe. The ABS tribe is weekly coaching every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for only $50 a month. If you are looking for accountability, if you're looking for a group of people that's willing to inspire you, help you out, support you, encourage you, you want to get inside of our ABS tribe because every Tuesday and Thursday, me and brother Jake or one of our more top million dollar friends or six figure friends are on teaching you every single week. If you want to join the ABS tribe, go to www.whatisabstribe.com, www.whatisabstribe.com.